a bit of Q&A, uh, special last minute uh, sort of edition with Laura Moss, who directed one of the films in competition in our Femme Filmmakers Festival. And that film uh, is called, sorry, Friday, <laughs> as in <laughs> F-R-Y, day, separate. Um, so but first, Laura, do you want to just sort of quickly sort of tell us what your film is about? Sure, yeah. Um, so it's a short film, and it's set in uh, the U.S. in Florida in 1989 on the eve of the execution of a famed serial killer, Ted Bundy. Um, but the film, it's not really about Bundy. It actually follows a young girl who's growing up in the shadow of this execution and who happens to look like what, you know one of Bundy's victims. Um, she's, photo- she's taking photographs at this tailgate party that has erupted across the street from the the state prison um and is swept into a kind of adventure with um some kids her own age that that ends in a real coming of age moment for her where she starts to question if are there smaller monsters around that that are overshadowed by this large monster uh ted bundy that everybody's coming to say goodbye to so yeah (laughs) So what we'll do is we'll just fire some questions at you. Um, am I okay to start, everybody? Sure. Yes. Um, I've got sort of three questions, but the two two sort of themes really. So, um, what 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 do you personally know of that time in history, like the background of it, and what mm. and what kind of drew you to that? What what did you bring to to that that moment in time? Well, you know the. The reason I centered on that moment was actually because I was writing a feature at the time about this 1980s kind of era of serial killer celebrity. So I I came across this event, and it really is an event that happened. Um, There's hours of footage of people celebrating this execution, which I found really chilling. Um, And at at the same time, it's, it's this nostalgic throwback, but it felt very relevant to what was happening in America right then. I made the film in 2017, so it was this these Donald Trump rallies in the lead up to our election. Um, it, it, it felt like these event, this event had the energy of, of that, of one of those rallies. Um, and so, I don't know. I mean, I think it felt like a good way to distance um, the viewer from the present and, and just have them think about this past event and maybe relate it themselves to what, what's happening in the present day. Um, and how do you think, like, coming of age, you hear that a lot now. How, how do you think there's, we're going to talk about men and women quite a lot, I think, but how do you think the coming of age story on film differs from a man and a woman director? And do you feel that that is, is almost like a genre of its own now, the coming of age film? Um, perhaps. I My films always end up spanning a couple of different genres, so I never know how to categorize it. this as a coming of age film or a horror movie, not quite, you know, it doesn't feel right, but um, I don't know if it differs between a male and a woman director, I think it's sort of about people's individual experiences, and sadly, one of my experiences of coming of age, which I think a lot of women share, is kind of realizing that you may not be as safe in the world as you think you are, Um, you know, for me, it's, it's, I was a, you know, loud and and bossy little kid. I had three little brothers, and so I had this sort of outsized, maybe, understanding of my own strength. Um, I remember moments where I felt like 
the situation was out of my control, that I that I walked into a situation, you know, specifically with boys that I thought I was in control and then discovered over the course of that night that I wasn't in control. And, and that that really was a big coming of age moment for me. Um, so I don't know. I think that that's that may be a female perspective, but it's just also my personal perspective. Yeah. Um, Bianca, would you like to go next? Yeah, of course. Um, so I just wanted to know whether you think um, what sort of what are the reasons that as a society we've become sort of obsessed with serial killers? Mm. Yeah, well, it's interesting in researching this, it, the 80s, at least in the US, was the, the decade where the term serial killer first became really popularized. Um, and, and the serial killer, you know, we had several famous serial killers at the time that really captured the public imagination. Um, I don't know. My fascination with Bundy is very much that he is this Trojan horse. Um, you know, he was a handsome young man, a law student, you know, very friendly. And often um, he would wear a cast and pretend to be um disabled in order to get women to, to follow him to the car, help him carry a, a parcel. So he was a real wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, and I think it's just, it's, it's always fascinating to me, you know, as someone who thinks that I can, I know people really, you know, I can sense people's energy that this person was able to fool so many young women. Um, I mean, so many people in general uh, into believing he was a, a stand-up guy. I, I I don't know. I think we're always going to be fascinated with that. Mm. Yeah, there's uh, something about sort of the fear of not knowing someone who what they really really are like underneath everything. And I think that sort of yeah, your film really sort of captures that because it's like you say, it's it's little monsters that you know get overshadowed by the big scary serial killer, which right. is. Uh, definitely something that I, I really picked up on oh, and um, I also want to know uh, who are your sort of film inspirations do you have a, a particular director that you admire at all uh, well it, I don't know that it shows so much in this film but I'm obsessed with David Cronenberg I have to say <laughs> um, I just I, I really like how he's been able to kind of externalize for me, what I've always felt, which is like a total discomfort in having a body and existing inside a body. I just think he's like magical, early Cronenberg. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know that he's a direct influence on this film. And what's your favorite Cronenberg film? Oh, Dead Ringers. Uh, a mile. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, video, uh, video drone for me, but. <laughs> oh, it's great. Video drone is excellent. Yeah. <laughs> And um, is Chris wanting to ask some questions? Sure, yeah, I've got, I've got one. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, actually, so going back to the sort of uh, the the um, the coming of age story, um, mm-hmm. I was just wondering, I had a question about the sort of more about the script development, really. Like, I, I just wondered how you went from the 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 barbecue, the sort of Ted Bundy barbecue. Um, to the coming, like, with the coming of age story, the first sort of idea you had to kind of, with that setting, or was it a process? No, yeah, it definitely wasn't, and I I work with, Brendan O'Brien is my writing partner, we write features together, and, um, and when we first centered around this barbecue, we knew it was a really rich backdrop, um, and 
the statement that I guess we were thinking about making or the thing that really interested us was sort of this idea of, of these people celebrating an execution, I think, was really disturbing to us. And so we wanted... Our, our initial script was set in a diner and all these people are celebrating the execution and then one by one they end up dying in totally insane ways. I mean, it sort of felt like we're like final destination than anything else. Um, but, and, and ultimately, like, that was a sort of amusing commentary on American execution, but um, it didn't, for me, it, it didn't hold me. And the only thing that held me from that script was this young girl who character, this young waitress who again, is trying to kind of learn about the world and, and figure out how she she feels like there's something wrong with this celebration, but she doesn't really have her own fully formed worldview yet. And that felt so real to me. Um, you know, that if I was living in, it's, it's the town is literally called Stark, Florida, but if I was living in that town at that time, I would be drawn to this event as well. And I think wouldn't I, I wouldn't know how, what my relationship was to it. It would be forming over the course of a night. So we, so we, with that in mind, we just sort of took the character and started from scratch. Um, yeah, and then it became a coming-of-age story. You know, we were like, what, what would happen to her over the course of the night? We kind of daydreamed, and that's, this is where we landed. I mean, were there any, um, any sort of variations on the ending at all, or was it always that, that ending? No, we, had a, we filmed an ending. Um, uh, where she returns to the tailgate party. Uh, basically, the, at the, the end of this film is very ambiguous. There's, she's hitchhiking through the woods, and someone stops for her, and we as a, an audience are not sure if this is a, a very bad person that might be stopping. Um, no, the ending we filmed was um, she, she's nervous about getting in the truck, and then she looks uh, at the two people in the truck, and there's two of them. It's a man and a woman, and she makes this calculation, okay, they, they seem safe. And they ask where she's going, and she says, I'm going to the prison. And they take her back to the prison where this countdown to Bundy's execution, it, it feels like New Year's Eve. You know, they're, they're count, literally counting down to the execution. And in a previous draft, um, we had her speaking to Granny, to this woman at the diner. And, and Granny said, what are, you, what are you filming? What are you doing out there? It's just a building and a fence. There's nothing to see. So in, in this ending, she holds up her camera. She takes a shot, and we see a shot develop of really just a building and a fence. Um, you know, that was, that was the big climax to this night that everybody was having. So um, on paper, I still like that ending. I think, it, I think it works, but I think when we cut it, it didn't feel like, it felt like we were making sure everybody knew she was okay, and it felt like we weren't necessarily living in the emotional experience that she was living in. Um, and so for me, ending on her moment of decision about whether or not to get in the truck, I think felt much more immediate. Like, you know, we're not sure. Like, whatever happens to her, this moment of, of having to decide whether to trust people, has it's changed her forever. Cool. Um, am I okay to go to the the other people that are not with us, but they sent us a lot of questions? <laughs> I'll go through them as quick as I can. There's not many, but uh, a lot of them are about the kind of you as a female filmmaker and, and the sure. movements. But uh, I'll start with just a couple of a really good question from Daniel, who's one of our writers. Um, he said, "What sort of questions do you do you want from your actors? So, what sort of what do you want them to ask you? Almost." Oh wow! Um, no, that's 
Excellent. Um, I have to say, my actors were phenomenal, and they did ask me amazing questions. I don't know that I ever put thought in advance mm-hmm. what I want them to ask me, but I'll tell you, the actor playing Keith, who's the boy um, that she has a crush on in our in the film, um, he uh, he asked me. You know, so I guess I guess we'll spoiler because if people are listening to this, they've hopefully seen the film. <laughs> but. Uh, but Keith uh, ends up robbing her at the at the culmination of this night, and he gives her her camera back. And and there's it's a it's a hopefully a, a tension filled moment where they where you feel like they might do much worse to her. Yeah. But in fact, he returns the camera, and the boys leave, and they kind of abandon her in the woods. And Jimmy asked me, um, "Why do you think he gives her the camera back?" And I had my own feelings, but I did a very director thing, which I said, "Well, why do you think um, mm-hmm. she gives the camera back?" And he said, well, I want her to like me. And I sort of teared up because I knew that Jimmy was the right person to do this role. Because he is, he's like, as, as a real person, just so incredibly kind and charismatic and, and very sweet. And, it, I, and I think those kinds of questions from actors, they, them exploring that in themselves, it brings such a dimension. You know, Jimmy's never just playing... Ted Bundy. He was never playing nefarious or a bad guy. He believes himself to be a very good guy, mm. which I loved. You get that impression of that moment that you talk about is the girl's almost in disbelief as well as fear, but he, you know he yeah. likes her in some way or he has some good in him. You yeah. Know, he's, he's been with her long enough to, you know, because if it had just if it had just robbed her, there'd have been mm. none of that kind of rapport if you can have that in that situation. Yeah, yeah that, that was really interesting that he, that he said that. Mm. Yeah, and it makes it that betrayal just a little bit more heartbreaking as well. It's so painful, you know, and he's basically like, sorry, I got to do this, but I got to do this. And it's like, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I think he was wonderful, yeah. Um, okay, so um, Lisa E. Williams this is, it was also a filmmaker in competition. She, she made like a music promo out. I spoke Ooh. to her yesterday. She asked, as a female filmmaker, is there a story that you want to tell but you may be being afraid of exploring or maybe you'll be judged for it or there'll be a backlash? Huh. Well, I'm about to make my first feature, um, which is an all-female Frankenstein adaptation about childbirth. And I'm pretty terrified, uh, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> so uh, for me, it was, it was definitely, and this is much more in the Cronenberg vein, it's like uh, very much about creating something with your mind versus creating something with your body, which is what I immediately felt when I read Frankenstein for the first time as a little girl, knowing it was a female writer, Mary Shelley, um, that, that there's a character in my feature who's very disdainful of her own biological processes, and she impregnates herself in order to collect materials for her experiments. Um, so, yes, I imagine that's going to be controversial <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. Congratulations uh, but, yeah, on that as well. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I read, I read the Deadland piece, so I just want to say congratulations. Oh, uh, thank you. That's really thank great you. news. Yeah, and so I'm working with Fangoria, who, and they're launching a slate of horror films this year. So I'm very excited. Um, yeah, I think it's going to happen. Oh, that definitely sounds like my sort of film. So, yeah, oh, good. Definitely. Yeah, we'll, be, we'll be keeping our eyes on that one. Right. Um. Kira, uh, was a film and TV blogger, who we know, um, she said, how do you think your career up to this point would have been different if you were a man? 
Um, ah, I don't know what I would have had to say. And that, that, I, don't, I don't mean to sound that like men don't have anything to say, but I just do think that being, my, being female has a lot to do with what I think about. I mean, it's, you know, it's who I am and it's how I move through the world. So I don't know. I don't know who I would be if I wasn't a female director. Um, but my career in terms of advancement, um, I also don't know. I mean, as female directors, we witness a lot of people soaring very early who, who are men who seem less prepared than we are, and it's very frustrating. But it's also it's, it's not an easy business to quantify talents. You can't say that somebody's objectively better than somebody else. So it's a tough one. Um, well, Chris Watt asked a similar question. Chris Watt's a film critic. Uh, he said, um, while there's more films by women that are about women, mm. um, what, what you'd like to know is what do you think, as a woman director, like a female perspe- perspective on like a masculine story? Masculine, can what, what can you bring to that kind of story? So if you sort of flip it rather than... Even men making yeah. films about women, you know, but about, what about women making films about men? What's yeah. your take on that? No, that's a great question. I So so um, Friday was a proof of concept largely for a feature that, that Brendan and I have written called Gordon, and it will hopefully be my second feature. It's a, it's a little bit of a larger budget than the, than the movie that, than Afterbirth and the Frankenstein film. But um, it is, it's a male lead and it's a male perspective, um, basically about a misdiagnosed sociopath who's trying to be a good guy and date women without killing them. Um, it's like a very dark <laughs> comedy um, about what a, a, a masculine society does to the male psyche. Um, and I was so excited. To, I mean, I still am so excited to make it. And I will say it's been a challenge to make it because um, as a female director, people, even even organizations that support female directors often want female-driven stories. And so I found myself ineligible for a lot of the support that I could have otherwise sought because it was a male lead and it was a male masculine story. So I think, you know, women should and can and will tell those stories, but I do think it's, it's, we're not necessarily encouraged to, and that can be frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know um, Lynn Ramsey's just, just done it. You know, she's just made a great (laughs) film about, about a, a, a man. In a, in a mm-hmm. you know in a, a world of abuse and she nailed that I mean and there's countless others. Um, yes. Brian Perry, who is like a, he does a lot of work for, coming towards the Oscars, um, film mm-hmm. independent. He says, are you seeing a difference in respect in respect from male actors since the Me Too movement? Huh. Um, I've been incredibly lucky, and I I mean I haven't emerged to a certain point in my career where you, you do get to a point where you can where you make offers and you don't actually necessarily meet the actors before you've offered them the role, um, which is a point that I'm just getting to now, and it's pretty scary, I will say. Um, I have always run rehearsals, auditions, cast, and met, you know really met people before they come onto my sets as actors, um, and so I have had the I've been fortunate that I've only had good experiences with male actors on my sets. Um, so I haven't noticed a difference, but that doesn't mean that there isn't one. No. Um, just a couple more questions then. Um, Gina, who's a screenwriter friend of ours, she said, what seems to be the process of evolution for female directors and how do we encourage other women 
to join the ranks. So I suppose she's asking kind of, where do you go from here and how do we yeah. keep growing the, you know, the popularity of female filmmakers? Um, I mean, you know, I think that its visibility is huge, but I think it's gonna it's gonna be about putting your money where your mouth is. You know, there's been a lot of talk in this last year about supporting female directors, and uh, you know, I would say that anecdotally, my female colleagues and I don't always see that translating into financial backing or support. Um, certainly, in the U.S., it's it's a private it's it's an industry that runs on private investment, the in, the independent industry, and then in the more mainstream setting, it's the studio system, and yeah. and I want to see I want to see money. That's what I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of talk. Yeah. What a great answer. <laughs> that that should be like you know, show me the money. That that should be as famous as, as that as that one. Um, Brian, another cinephile friend, said, "What female film directors from the past have influenced you?" So, female. F- film directors you've liked before and maybe some of their films that, that you've also enjoyed? Well, I, I mean, Lynn Ramsey is at the top of my list. I think she's incredible, and I, I do think she's... I mean, Ratcatcher for sure. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Both the book and the film have, have made a huge impact on me. Um, female horror directors are, are not as visible. Um, I think Stuart Thorndike made a great film called Lyle, um, and you guys have, um, I, I may mispronounce her name, Julia Durkinow. Yeah. Uh, her, her film Raw, I think, is phenomenal. Yeah, um, that was great. <laughs> and up, I, I must admit, I didn't know that many female filmmakers. I mean, I think I knew Amy Heckerling made Clueless, but I really, I really was at a, at a loss um, in terms of, you know, having female role models, especially in the horror genre. Um, you know, since, of course, I've learned, you know, Mary Heron and, and um, Mary Lambert did uh, Pet Cemetery, but I wasn't necessarily savvy or looking for, for, for female directors when I was growing up. No. Um, do you guys have any more questions? Chris, Bianca? Um, I guess I would just say, you know, uh, with, with Friday, um, how did you find your sort of... Uh, you spoke briefly about uh, the male uh, actor Jimmy, hmm. uh, but how did you find your other actors? What was oh, the process of that? The actress, yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, Jordan Dina Talley, who's incredible, um, and I'm and I'm hoping we'll see many big things from her to come. Um, so my producer, one of my producers, Valerie Steinberg, uh, is a theater junkie, and I'm fortunate to live in New York City. So so. <laughs> We get to see a lot of plays. She saw Jordan in, a, in an off-Broadway play called Recall, where she played a disturbed teenager. Um, but years, years before, uh, we had our auditions. But Valerie had been tracking her. She's, she's really good at, at that. Um, so she, we brought a few actresses in to read for the role, and Jordan was immediately... It was clear to me that she had the right combination of grit and vulnerability. Um, she was wonderful to work with. And she's, I mean, she's a real pro. Um, and then we, we did actually just, we made an offer to Elizabeth Ashley, the, the actress who plays Granny in the diner. Um, she's quite a renowned stage actress and, you know, through her agent, I, I, it's a short film that pays peanuts. So I, I didn't, wasn't holding my hopes up, but, uh, she really responded to the material. So yeah, Valerie and, and the theater world was really instrumental in, in helping me locate my cast. Brilliant. That's mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they, they're all really amazing, especially the two sort of central females. Yeah, yeah, I was really lucky. You mentioned uh, about rehearsing as well. Did did you have a how long of a rehearsal time? How much rehearsal time did you have on this? Um, I I come from a theater background, so I I tend to want to sit and rehearse more than maybe is usual for film. Um, we did a, a read through. Just got to know each other. Um, I opened a bar tab for the younger actors so that they could go know each other without me. Um, just try <laughs> to develop a bond, uh, you know, before we start filming. Uh, and then we had two days of, of table work. Um, and it really was table work. We didn't really block scenes or get them on our feet. It was sort of talking through the beats emotionally, getting to know each other. Um, and then on set, I try to, when I can, try to do a really private rehearsal before we're showing anyone a blocking. Um, something just to get the actors intimate with each other in the space. Um, you know, and then, we'll, and then when we show the blocking and the actor and, you know, everyone's coming back to light and do, do their thing, I try to stay as close to the actors as possible in that, in that waiting period um, just to be with them and kind of get a sense of how they're feeling. And also we can do a little bit of rehearsal in that time. Yeah. So that's kind of how I work. Marvellous. Well, um, my final question is, um, you're new, you've, you've just got the feature film. Um, can we ask that we just at least stay in touch and then we can perhaps, you know, follow your progress? Cause it's very oh, yeah. <laughs> I would love that. Thank you. It's uh, an honour to be part of this. This is an amazing lineup. Great. Well, thank you very much for, for sparing us the, the time today. We do appreciate it. And as I say, I'll, I will try and get this out in the next hour. And the Bianca's review, I believe, should should be out. So, you know, I've got to have a read of that. It's very positive. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> it's a relief. Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> thank you everybody. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good evening. You too. You too. Thanks, Take Chris. care. Bye-bye. Okay, no Bye. Bye. Bye.